Welcome to This AmeriCorps Life, the official Arizona Serve podcast by AmeriCorps members for AmeriCorps members, past, present, and future. Here is your host, Emily Carey. Welcome to today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of This AmeriCorps Life. This is your host, Emily Carey. Today, I am so excited to have Alexa Milena and Grace Sinisalo with me. Alexa and Grace um, both serve with me in the Arizona Serve VISTA cohort. Alexa is the Overdose Prevention Coordinator with Snorm Prevention Works, and Grace is the Opioid Harm Reduction Coordinator at Yavapai Community Health Services. So thank you guys so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, Emily. How are you guys doing today? Fabulous. I'm doing quite all right. That's quite great. Yeah, so I just want to start, you know, I think it's really awesome. We all started here in July, and clearly we've grown, we've developed a lot. So I just want to kind of start by seeing, and I think a lot of our listeners love to hear why all of us have joined AmeriCorps. So I guess I'm going to start just by asking about what brought you guys to Prescott? What made you interested in doing AmeriCorps? So... I have a really good friend of mine who finished an anthropology degree at the university that I met her at, and uh, she has always been interested in doing national service, always been interested in the Peace Corps, Job Corps, and one day she just brought up AmeriCorps as a really awesome way of serving other people, and that's also something that is a core value of mine is altruism, and so I saw that there was an amazing opportunity to take a gap year um, out of my life and focus on something that was outside of myself. And AmeriCorps has proven to be such a thing. Yeah, same here. I graduated with my undergrad, and my plan is to apply to medical school. But in the meantime, I wanted to take some time as a gap year to really make a difference. I have been a medical scribe for the past four years, which was amazing in itself. But I didn't really feel like I was making my own impact on my community. Even though the work I was doing was important, it just, it was... I don't want to say getting old, but I was kind of getting in a routine and I didn't really feel like I was making a difference. So I wanted to seek out an opportunity um, to really be that difference. So aside from the community volunteering that I already did, I wanted to find something more. So AmeriCorps was something that one of the physicians I worked with kind of turned me on to and I looked into it further. And before I knew I was accepting a position and moving to Arizona. So Yeah, no, I definitely, yeah, I think AmeriCorps really gives you the outlet to do all of those things, just like recharge, restart, but also you give back in a community, but it just, it makes such a bigger impact, like the work that you're doing. So both of you are working with opioids. And so I guess that brings me to my next question. What specifically about these physicians attracted you um, to Prescott, but also to work with opioids? So what brought me to the position that I am now is I I actually did a, uh, I'm, I'm currently in the process of finishing a bachelor's in psychology um, with an emphasis in substance use disorder counseling. So the I have a lot of friends who have experience with substance use disorders, and I have lost friends that have overdosed. And so opioid harm reduction and the, the matter of the opioid crisis is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And like I mentioned, um, I was a medical scribe for four years and I worked in an emergency department. So I was constantly seeing the struggles of opioid overdoses and prescribing and all the inner workings of the opioid epidemic from the healthcare standpoint. So I knew, I mean, I'll be honest, when I started looking at AmeriCorps, I looked at Arizona specifically 
because of the weather. Um, I wanted to get out <laughs> of Northern Minnesota. That is for sure. So once I narrowed it down to Arizona, I started looking at positions that I had some background in that would benefit me that I could really make a difference in with the knowledge that I had. Um, which led me to this opioid harm reduction coordinator position just because of my experience as a medical scribe and also my future in wanting to become a physician. So that really piqued my interest when I saw that there was a position um, in harm reduction. And then do you feel that, that your work as a scribe has been able to help you in like what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, um, I have seen it from inside the healthcare perspective. So I've seen it from, a, I've seen the opioid epidemic develop from a physician standpoint, from the nurses, um, from the people themselves that are coming into the emergency department, whether they are suffering from an overdose or looking to get help. Um, a lot of times emergency services are where they turn to kind of get on a treatment plan. So yeah, I feel like a lot of the information I learned as a scribe has helped me in this position as a harm reduction coordinator because I have that terminology. I have interacted with these people and I've seen it from a healthcare setting in terms of what's best practice for addressing um, substance use disorder and things like that. Yeah. So substance use disorders, like they both play like an important like role like for you guys personally. I guess maybe we could talk a little bit about what your organizations both do. Um, cause I know, but you both handle them very, very differently. Um, very just true. very true. Yeah. So I guess if you guys each want to talk about just your organization and how the work you're doing fits into them to each. Sonoran Prevention Works is a harm reduction agency to the core. They focus around reducing health disparities for individuals affected by drug use, sex work, and other high-risk behaviors. So what Sonoran Prevention Works primarily offers is two of two programs. One of them is harm reduction outreach. So what harm reduction outreach workers will do is they will go into the community as peer support specialists and work with individuals who are unhoused, who are currently using drugs, who are trying to um, get help for substance use disorders, individuals who are sex workers, and basically give them the resources that they need. A lot of the time it looks like helping them sign up for access, helping them get food stamps, helping them get into shelter, helping them get a sustainable food access. So a lot of the basic necessities that individuals from those high risk backgrounds would normally not have access to, that is what Sonoran Prevention Works Harm Reduction Outreach Program provides for them. So the overdose prevention program is the other implemented program. So overdose prevention focuses on educating the public about what is harm reduction, what is a substance use disorder, what is drug use, what are the different types of drugs, as well as what are risk factors for overdose, how to recognize an overdose, how to respond to an overdose. And they do this as part of community trainings and as part of in-service in trainings for professionals. Uh, the last but very most important thing that the overdose prevention program does is um, distribute naloxone. So naloxone is a life-saving medication that is an opioid antagonist that at attaches itself to the opioid receptors in the brain and blocks out the, synth the, the synthetic injected or smoked drugs that are in the brain. And so what, what that translates to is if somebody is having an overdose and you give them naloxone, which either comes intranasally or intramuscularly, then they snap out of the overdose like that. So it's extremely important to Sonoran Prevention Works to make sure that everybody who knows somebody or everybody who is using drugs have naloxone. 
because that's something as part of the core of what harm reduction is, is acknowledging that individuals are going to make their own choices. Individuals have agency and drug use is going to happen, whether it's liked or not, whether it's frowned upon or not. And it's, it's better to have individuals carrying naloxone so that they can reverse any opioid overdoses as they come because Arizona, the United States is currently in an overdose epidemic. So it's important to have that in the hands of the people. Yeah, that's awesome that you do that. And so you talk about prevention and you talk about harm reduction. Uh, but what are the, what's the difference for people listening that don't know a lot about the issues? Overdose prevention from a Sonoran Prevention Work standpoint is educating individuals on what are the risks for overdose, right? So something like using drugs by yourself, mixing drugs, barely getting out of treatment or prison. So identifying the different risk factors for overdose and educating individuals in the community, whether it be professionals or lay people, about what those risks are. Primarily, we want to get the information to the hands of people who do use drugs because 80% of the time, somebody reversing the overdose is not going to be an EMT. It's not going to be a doctor. It's not going to be a nurse. It's going to be another person in the room who uses drugs. Yeah. So harm reduction, do you want me to get into that now? Sure, yeah. Okay, so harm reduction... And, and I can address this as well later. Harm reduction is basically a, a set of public health strategies that focuses on reducing health disparities rather than eliminating them. Um, it takes a very utilitarian standpoint, meaning that, you know, the, the lesser of two evils is what should be implemented, right? So when we're talking about harm reduction and and drug use, for example, is something like giving people naloxone. It's like what I've already addressed. It, it looks like making sure that people have what they need to survive and giving them the agency to make their own choices. Okay, cool. And then Grace, I guess, do you want to talk a little bit about um, YCCHS, what the county health department does, but also a little bit about how you, your organizational ta organization tackles prevention and harm, redu harm reduction? Yeah, absolutely. So since I'm at the County Community Health Services Office, we offer a lot of different services involving different healthcare and public health strategies in order to abide by our mission statement and our vision. Um, we have four different locations, one here in Prescott, one in Prescott Valley, one in Chino Valley, and also one in Cottonwood. And some of the services we offer include, but are definitely not limited to, um, we offer Tai Chi classes for arthritis and fall prevention. Um, we have free HIV testing. We have a trek about walking club to encourage exercise. We have Yavapai Healthy Schools and our SNAP Ed Grant that focuses on healthy eating. Um, we have our Yavapai Anti-Tobacco Coalition of Youth. We teach sex ed. We we do a lot of things, and one of the grants that we work on specifically is the prescription drug overdose um, grant. So our mission statement is, at Yavapai County Community Health Services, we will provide leadership, information, and services that contribute to improving the health and well-being of Yavapai County residents. So in terms of harm reduction, um, we work very closely actually with Sonoran Prevention Works in terms of education and distribution of naloxone. Basically, that's how we improve the well-being of our community members. Um, it is not our place to say you shouldn't be using drugs or to judge those who may be suffering from substance use disorder. It is our approach to basically help them survive and to prevent death is really what it comes down to, as blunt as that sounds. 
So yeah, that education component and getting naloxone out to as many people as we can um, is a huge part of harm reduction at YCCHS. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for sharing. And then how many people do you think in Yavapai County are affected by prescription drug overdose and just opioid use? I think to an extent, everyone is impacted by it, whether it's someone directly using drugs, someone who is friends with someone who may be abusing substances. Um, It even comes to the case where like, maybe your grandma is legally prescribed opioids for her chronic back pain, all good and well, but if she has the early onset of dementia and isn't in a home and she takes her pain meds and then she takes them again because she forgot and then she takes them again, it's like that can lead to overdose too. So whether you realize it or not, I think everyone is somehow impacted and affected by this opioid epidemic and opioid overdoses. So I can speak to the overdose death rate, actually. There were approximately 72,000 opioid overdose deaths in the country, in the United States, um, during the year of 2017. And about 1,000 of those were in Arizona. Approximately four Arizonans die every single day from an overdose. So this is a problem that needs to be handled. And as far as demographically goes... um, the, the native populations, indigenous communities are being hard hit by this. Spanish-speaking communities are being hard hit by this. Um, undocumented immigrants are being hit hard by this. So a lot of those identities and individual backgrounds that are systematically oppressed are typically the ones that are being hit hardest by overdose crisis, by, by drug use. Yeah, so it's a lot of these communities, but really everyone in the county is affected by it. And so you talked a little about carrying naloxone and having it available for anyone. So how, if someone's listening and like, oh, I went naloxone, how can they get it? Do you need to learn how to use it before you can carry it? Or what's like, what's the steps to getting naloxone and being able to help someone if you like see them overdosing? So, so you want to know about like how to recognize overdose, how to distribute naloxone? Is yeah. That what you're okay, so the signs of an overdose are typically um, pale, very pale skin, turning blue, lips turning blue, unresponsiveness, um, shallow breathing or not breathing at all. So typically, if you suspect that somebody's overdosing, you would take your knuckles and rub them very hard against the sternum. And if they're not overdosing and they're just really high, then, you know, they won't like you, but at least you know that they're not overdosing. Um, And it's very important to not just administer naloxone to somebody who is just high and not overdosing because... It won't do them any lasting physical harm, but what it happens is it sends them straight into detoxification because it's blocking all of the opioid receptors and they're going to be sick, which is what happens. So how to use naloxone is first you have to recognize the signs of an overdose. Then you check for responsiveness. Hey, call out their name. You know, don't, don't slap or anything. Just do the sternum rub. If they're still not responsive, then immediately you have to call 911, right? And then what you do with if you have an intranasal dose of naloxone, you put it up the nose and push a little button on it. If you have intramuscular naloxone, it basically is just taking out the syringe from the kit, plunging it into the little vial of medicine, drawing it back, and then injecting it into um, the thigh or the arm. And if if they're overdosing, they'll snap out of it like that, depending on how many doses you give them. In between, If you have to give more than one dose in between doses, you should be doing rescue breathing, which is just pinching the nose, tilting the head back, making sure the airway is not blocked, and then breathe into their mouth. 
and, you know, hopefully wait for the EMTs to arrive. And in terms of getting naloxone, Sonoran Prevention Works is always an awesome option. That's where we get our kits from at the County Health Department. Um, So you can just walk in there and be like, hey, I want five naloxone kits and they will give them to you. No questions asked. That also goes for the County Health Department clinic. You can walk up to the front desk. Um, They've all been trained and you can say, I want some naloxone. They give it to you. No names, no nothing, no further information. It is your right to carry it. Um, Otherwise, all pharmacies under Governor Doug Ducey's state of emergency are able to dispense naloxone without a prescription. So really any pharmacy you can walk into and say, hey, can I get three doses of naloxone? And they can give it to you. Um, Most insurances cover it, so it'll be free of charge. The intramuscular is obviously the cheapest, and then intranasal gets a little more expensive. But for the most part, all insurances cover it. So any pharmacy um, in the state of Arizona you could go into and ask for naloxone. That's awesome. It's great that it's so readily accessible. It's also sad that it has to be so readily accessible um, just for everyone in the community. So our big thing with AmeriCorps Vista and something that I guess the three of us are working on is really capacity building and creating these systems um, just to help our organizations, but also help the communities we're serving. So what are some big projects that both of you have been working on this year? Um, one that I'm really focused on right now, um, is my opioid overdose education and naloxone distribution project. Um, it is exactly what it sounds like trying to educate a greater population on opioid overdoses, as well as getting as much naloxone into the hands of any lay person that I can. This project specifically, I'm looking to implement into three emergency departments within Yavapai County. So at Yavapai Regional Medical Center, Verde Valley Medical Center, and also the VA Emergency Department. Um, basically what it is, is if a patient comes in and is su- suffering from active overdose, has a history of opioid abuse, um, has an infection from maybe IV drug use, something of that, or has any risk factors that the physician um, finds obvious, they, at the end of their visit, assuming that they are medically cleared to be discharged home and they don't have to be admitted. Um, They are discharged with a kit that I have designed and created. And in this kit, I have a list of local resources in terms of medication-assisted treatment, crisis hotlines, Sonoran Prevention Works, places to get naloxone, um, different behavioral health places, so that they have that access to those resources for maybe some next steps. Um, It has a fact sheet on quick facts about naloxone. I have a copy of the Good Samaritan Law, um, which comes into factor of if you are giving naloxone within good faith and in the intent of saving lives, there are not serious legal repercussions. Um, I have different informational packets from local coalitions Um, And then most importantly in that kit is a three-dose naloxone kit that Sonora Prevention Works provides for me. So like I said, it's to get, it's to educate these patients and any family or friends in the room about risk of overdose, the harms of opioids, stuff like that, and then to get naloxone directly into those hands because 
my ultimate goal is to get as many people carrying naloxone as I can. And I think the emergency department, like I said earlier, some people turn to emergency services like emergency departments in order to seek those next steps or if they're actively suffering from an overdose. It's a good resource. So yeah, basically those kits, um, I'm trying to get those implemented. That's my big project that I'm working on right now. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and that sounds like it's really going to make a big impact on the community, um, hopefully. Are there any like outcomes or have you seen this implemented before? And like, what are... Yeah, so actually, I got the idea from the hospital I worked at back home in Minnesota. They, The head pharmacist and the director of the emergency department implemented this there. Um, same concept, if the physician sees any red flags and whatever criteria they had previously set, that the patient and their family and friends are automatically discharged with a naloxone kit. Although I don't have the information directly in terms of statistics from that hospital, I'm, they were able to provide in the state of Minnesota, since implementing take-home naloxone projects like this one, overdoses have decreased by 22%, which is actually a huge amount. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So my hopes is to get that going and get it as many places as we can. Um, obviously, it's not an end-all, be-all it's really just a step in the right direction, but my hope is the more naloxone we can get, the more lives we're saving. Sonoran Prevention Works, actually we talked about it today at a meeting I was at, um, of the naloxone that Sonoran Prevention Works distributes on an everyday basis. Um, in the past year, they saved over 9,000 lives with those naloxone um, kits that have been administered. So like I said, the more naloxone I can get out, the hopes that we can save more lives. And I also have other research from other states that are slowly implementing these take-home naloxones, and it seems to be working. It's very beneficial, I guess. So, You know, that's amazing, and it's so incredible that Snore Prevention Works has helped save 9,000 lives. So what are some of the projects that, Alexa, that you've been working on this year? So one of the programs, one of the projects that I'm really excited to start and their very recent future is one of a program evaluation and it's not going to be you know the same old boring passing out surveys just taking numbers this is supposed to be a qualitative and philosophical program uh, program that i'm going to be starting and um basically to, to explain it we have to un, un, look at the underlying philosophies of harm reduction right any discipline any school of thought has underlying philosophical assumptions and those of harm reduction are some that I really very much agree with radical compassion for one uh, harm reduction is about helping people but it doesn't see help as just something that is good that makes you a good person it sees it as a human necessity that every individual as, as a philosopher Levinas put it when your neighbor is hungry the bread is snatched from your mouth in response to their hunger. So that is what harm reduction is about, is radical compassion. It's also about agency, um, being participant driven. So letting the individuals you're serving actually lead the way, meeting people where they're at. Um, intersectionality, not excluding individuals because of their background, whether that be race, class, gender, sexual orientation, et cetera. And not only being inclusive of those, but making sure that the marginalized populations are at the forefront of the harm reduction efforts, right? So the, the analysis that I'll be doing of our programs is, is of that nature, really asking those deep, deep, broad questions like, what the heck is harm reduction about anyways? 
right? Why are we doing this? Why are we trying to be harm reductionists? How well are we doing harm reduction, right? And getting that information from staff, from leadership, from the especially the people that we're serving, right? Because harm reduction doesn't really go anywhere if, you know, you don't have clout on the streets, right? If if you see a professional, you know, a doctor, a physician and you ask them, "Hey, what do you think about sonoran prevention works?" and they say, "Well, I love them," right? If you ask somebody on the streets that is especially somebody that is using drugs and you ask them about what they think of, you know, any harm reduction agency really, and if they disagree, if they don't if they have a strong appealing opinion to the negative, that's how you know you're not doing harm reduction well. If it's if it's the reverse, you know, if you ask a professional about what the harm reduction agency you work for is doing and they don't like it, but the people in the trenches love you, that's how you know you're doing a good job because harm reduction isn't about fitting into a specific box. It's not a regular public health approach. It's a very radical one. And what what is important is that you're including the people that you serve. That's what harm reduction is about, is including the people that you serve and making sure you're working for their best interests, not your own, not for the best interests of the system, but for the best interests of the individual people you're serving in their communities. Nice. Yeah, I say, yeah. And I think everything we do um, and the goal is, I guess, especially with AmeriCorps, is helping those underprivileged communities and helping everyone that really needs our help, especially aligned with our agencies. So you came into this really wanting to work um, to help stop opioids, the opioid academic, epidemic. Uh, but what do you think your biggest takeaways have been during, I think it's, we've been here just over six months, surprising it's gone this fast. But since coming here, you know, what have been your takeaways? I have learned that patience is a virtue. Um, change for a lot of people is a process. It is not easy to come in and start putting your ideas on people, especially when it comes to something like the opioid epidemic. Um, there are a lot of mixed feelings of harm reduction versus prevention versus just let them suffer. So I've learned to... Be patient and try to take different approaches depending on who I am working with. I think that is huge um, to try, see it from their perspective and try to tailor my education and what I'm trying to get across so that they can see it in a way that best fits them. I've noticed harm reduction is kind of an acquired taste if you have no exposure to it. So yeah, patience and just taking the time to really relate to the people that you're reaching out to. Um, since I'm at the county, I'm seeing all different sorts of populations through the events that we put on. Um, so yeah, just really, really hearing people's sides of the story and where they're coming from and their perspectives and trying to work with them in order to find the best solution, I guess. So yeah, and I think I'd love to touch on what Grace talked about, about change, because harm reduction was an acquired taste for me, too. I came in with a lot of preconceptions about what harm reduction was supposed to be about, and I was wrong. You know, I thought it was just about, it was, I thought it was just a public health strategy, right? But it turned out to be so much more than that. And on the note of change, um, I see it in a, a structural way more than an individual way, that change happens along systems, um, very slowly and that that's okay that i don't have to fight the fight fight the good fight and hope everything to change in a day but rather by making small incremental steps along the way i can really make a difference yeah and i think that goes towards our main purpose of americorps and finding that sustainability 
We can't just come in here and hope that everything is implemented or our projects are finished overnight. It is a process. We're here for a year and to utilize that full year to make small changes, um, to eventually make a difference and to implement something that's sustainable that even when we're moved on and not in AmeriCorps anymore, that someone else can take that and continue to make that change. It's a constant ongoing thing. So yeah, that's what I love so much about AmeriCorps as well is it's something it'll live past us, which is what I think everyone's goal is to like something that'll outlive them. And that's really something that I think that we work on and hopefully it works so that we don't have to deal with this epidemic anymore and we won't have to, but since it's there, it's good that we're putting these practices in place. So for someone that's listening or they do have an acquired taste for harm reduction um, and helping, what are ways that they can give back? I know for Martin Luther King Day, um, Arizona Serve and community volunteers worked with Snorm Prevention Works to make naloxone kits. So is that something that they could do year round? What are ways that they can get involved and give back and help this community? Absolutely. Sonoran Prevention Works, I know, um, is always looking for people to help assemble naloxone kits. Um, they don't make themselves. I know that from experience, even at the county. Um, when we want some kits, we call up Sonoran Prevention Works and say, hey, we have a tabling event. We need 200 kits. They bring us the supplies and we assemble them ourselves. So if anyone is ever wanting to stuff some vials into these nice brown bags... We are always looking for volunteers to do that. And uh, another part of what Sonoran Prevention Works does, like I mentioned, the harm reduction outreach, if, if individuals wanted to get involved on that side, they're more than welcome to go into the community and, and practice outreach with us as, as volunteers. Um, there's opportunities to learn how to do rapid HIV and hep C testing. That, that's one of the services that we provide. And they can learn how to do that. They can help out with our social media. They can help out with the grant writing. Just anything that helps Sonoran Prevention Works. Um, yeah, those are the main things that I have in mind. Yeah, so if someone wants to volunteer with Sonoran Prevention Works, how can they get involved? Who should they reach out to? Um, on spwaz.org, there is a, a section that is called uh, Get Involved. And they can fill out a volunteer application, and that goes straight to me. And we have a screening process. So once we've done with the screening process, they come in for an interview and an orientation, and then they're onboarded. Awesome. That's amazing. So take note, everyone that's listening. Uh, it's been so great getting to talk with both of you. I I mean, my favorite part, because um, I know we have like monthly meetings, but I always love hearing about the amazing work you're both doing, and I'm so glad that we're able to share it with our listeners uh, and the community. So thank you guys both so much for being on to, on the air today. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Awesome. Have a nice day, everybody. You've been listening to This AmeriCorps Life, produced by Arizona Serve of Prescott College. Find out more at arizonaserve.org and at prescott.edu.